gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right, you can't be wrong. Hello everyone. Welcome to Rockin' All Week with You, a Happy Days podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 4, or Episode 24 overall. In this episode, we are in, where are we? I don't even know. We're in October, late October, 1975. Jailhouse Rock and Howard's 45th Fiasco. And uh, we're, we're going to start off here with... Um, and oh, oh, by the way, thank you, thank you, everyone, for for listening to the uh, show. I, I hope you're enjoying it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're we're what what are we? How many episodes are in this season? Twenty twenty four. So we're um, we're we're in the 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 um, second quarter of the season, about twenty six percent of the way in at this moment. Jailhouse Rock, October twenty first, nineteen seventy five, directed by Art Fisher, written by Bob Bruner. 27% of the way in. Art Fisher. Jerry Paris still isn't officially directing everything yet. I thought by this point he had been. But I'm completely wrong. So the the uh, layout, the ding-dong, the whatever, the thing, yeah. So what's happening in this episode? So in this one, we're all in Arnold's. We're hanging out at Arnold's. We're having a good time. Uh, no one's getting hurt. No one's getting bullied around. When Officer Kirk shows up, and Officer Kirk is an older uh, cop who used to be in the Marines and thinks everyone's in the Marines, and because of some break-ins at the local school, uh, probably by the gals from the violent years. For some reason, I, I thought that immediately when he said that. Um, they're never going to catch those gals. They're wily. And um, they, they, Kirk has initiated a, um, a curfew. Every, everyone 18 under or under 18. Is it under 18 or 18 or under? 18 and under. I don't know. Let's just say, like, the Fonz isn't included, but Richie, Ralph, and Potsy are. Uh, the curfew is 10 p.m. And Richie isn't so thr- thrilled on it, and the guys aren't so thrilled on it. And they decide the next night that they are going to protest it. And what they're going to do, civil disobedience, they are going to go to see the Elvis train. Elvis is on his way. Elvis is in the army, and he's on his way. I Well, we'll talk about this, but Elvis is on the army train passing nearby. And... Um, and uh, the Fonz is going to be down there because there'll be a lot of young ladies throwing their clothes around and Elvis and screaming, and he'll be there. I guess they'll also be yelling for the Fonz, too. So the guys are going to go down there and protest. Unfortunately, um, as they're getting ready to go down and protest, they get locked at Arnold's bathroom. And because Arnold closes up and doesn't realize they're there, and then they all end up getting arrested. Then Mr. C, who's uh, got his grand poobah hat on, you know, that the Fez, you know, Fezes are cool. He's got, he's got his, his, his spotted... Leopardy Fez on. He gets arrested um, for the new curfew. Um, he violated a new curfew. Kirk Institute and men wearing funny hats. And so they all end up in prison. And the Fonz doesn't. The Fonz is one of the few who doesn't end up in, in prison. And he's, he's fairly smug about it. But let me, let me play a little bit of this and we will get back and discuss Jailhouse Rock. Elvis Presley is in the background of this episode with his going into the army and obviously it's being called Jailhouse Rock. Now, Jailhouse Rock was a movie he was in in uh, 57 and it was an EP. There was an, It wasn't a full-on album. It was an EP released in November of 57 and um, uh, I think it was um, the Billboard. Uh, uh, Billboard had just started an EP chart around this time and I'm actually looking right here. It says that it came out in November 57 peaked at number one of Wikipedia on the newly inaugurated Billboard EP chart would remained at number one for 27 weeks. 
EP album was the best-selling EP album of 1958, according to Billboard. That's Cuckoo Kaka. So Jailhouse Rock, Young and Beautiful, I Want to Be Free, uh, Don't Leave Me Now, and Baby, I Don't Care. You're so square, baby. I don't care. And that's great. And this uh, Lieber Stoller did Jailhouse Rock, I Want to Be Free, and You're So Square, Baby, I Don't Care. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's when uh, Elvis was being given um, good songs to sing and so yeah that, that was a big one and that uh yeah and that that was a big uh, movie for him and uh and, and so obviously in, in in some respects that's the background ish for what this is but but um it's funny because of course the um the, the sort of uh, rebel character in this one is uh, in the show is the Fonz, but he um he does he doesn't make it into prison and he does visit mr uh, mr c and um um, I think he called Mr. C Mr. H at one point, or tell me H. I forget. I didn't write down what he says to him exactly. What did you do? And and yeah, Richie and and Mr. C and uh, a fun drunk. Hey, they're the best. Uh, and Potsy and Ralph are, are in the jail cell, and and the Fonzie shows up and is like, Hey, I bet you didn't ever think I'd be visiting you here, huh? But yeah, it's it's this, this introduces the character of Officer Kirk, who I. I've always found an, an annoying character. He, he's one of those weird characters who is clearly, um, he's unpleasant and he's, he's not, he's not nice to our main characters and he's, he gets them in trouble through his ridiculous ways. And you know that, um, he's probably never going to sort of get called out properly, uh, for the, the junk he does. What, what'll just happen is he'll stop appearing in the show. So it it won't be a question of uh you know um yeah Kirk you you got called on the carpet for your nonsense it'll just be one day we're like oh where'd Kirk go hmm and the, but the weird thing is that one of the the sitcom issues that I, that I've always had and this is um uh it, it's funny I'm I'm doing right now I'm doing a final hopefully final revision on my Henningverse book uh, which I'm, it looks like I'm going to have to self-publish it but that's okay a lot of folks I think are doing that nowadays so I, I think it'll it should work but I'm doing a final rev- please call Shirley sit on it it's still on the back wall of the men's room uh, so um, uh, what was I saying oh yes um, and, and reading through the Henningverse one of the, one of the things you sort of read is the um, one of the things I notice is um, the thing about sitcoms is that when they introduce sort of nasty characters, especially in the 60s and this time period too, um, the nasty characters say things that are unpleasant. Like like there's, um, I, th- I think it's there's an episode in the first season of Petticoat Junction where like this really gross rich guy shows up with his gross secretary and Homer Bedlow and they're going to buy the cannonball and take it away and you know put everyone out of business and it's going to be awful it's not as bad as the episode where homer bedlow wants to flood the hoover valley but um it's still pretty bad and the thing is whenever like this gross old well the 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 rich guy doesn't speak too much it's the secretary whenever they speak and it's always kind of rude to our main characters and it's unpleasant the laugh track is in hysterics same thing here when kirk is insulting our lead characters and demeaning them belittling them um like when he's belittling mr c for wearing a funny hat um the audience is in hysterics and that's something that always confuses me about sitcoms like this um because uh, you know the bond bond villains have their charms you know i was just watching moonraker the other day and drax has some some funny lines but i wouldn't um you know if 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 moonraker was put in front of a live audience and treated as a sitcom i don't know the drax should get the biggest laughs and and there's just something about whenever kirk shows up oh my gosh the crowd is just nuts for him which strikes me as strange but um i can live with it um but Richie, I applaud Richie in this one. I said, I said in the previous episode that Richie is sort of near the point where he's he's becoming annoying, and this one I like him in this one because he sticks up for his rights and he sticks up for the rights of everyone else. He's a little, eh, a little too self righteous at times, but I like it because Mister C wants to if he can join him now now uh, 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 you know mr c wants is uh, the grand poobah thing is going to be i get a few days and he doesn't want 
to Richie to protest and get arrested. He doesn't want to protest and get arrested because he wants to be um, elected Grand Poobah. Uh, and, and so he, he has a kind of yells at Richie for a bit as he's eating a sandwich. And um, Joni's sent up to her room and makes a joke about the fact that she's going to write a book about, like, I was held hostage in my room or something like that. So we're, we're getting sort of that, Joni, go to your room uh, thing, uh, becoming a sort of a standard thing. And... Um, even Arnold has a moment where he says something which sounds like Japanese to Kirk, and he says, "And Kirk says, what does that mean? Sit on it, Kirk.'" And yeah, it's 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 interesting because yeah, we we have we have Rich. It's 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 weird because we have ostensibly it's about Richie sort of standing up for the rights of himself and the others, but it's more about goofing around. And it's more about like joking around. So when like Richie tells his dad he wants to stand up for it, uh, Mr. C is there with his grandpa Bob Fez and joking around about that and going overboard. And then when they go into Arnold's and they're getting set to do um, protests at the Elvis train, they actually get them. There, there's a lot of stuff about lip um, lip ups that Arnold and Potts are doing on the Nippet um, pinball machine, which we'll talk about in a moment. Not the, not the pinball machine. We already talked about that, but the lip ups and. It's funny because whenever it seems like it's going to become about Richie doing his thing, it's always kind of derailed a bit. Like even when they're in the jail cell, you know, um, Ralph is going overboard and and Potsy is making his asides and then the Fawn shows up and then Mr. C shows up. You know, it's sort of like um, uh, uh, Kirk lets him loose, but Mr. C and and Richie decide to stay, but the drunk guy is there. So, So there's this constant sort of... Richie isn't given the time to become too sort of sanctimonious about what he's doing. He just says it's what he wants to do, and it's not quite what happens. And I don't remember at the end what they is the curfew lifted at the end. Of the, I remember Mr. C doesn't become Grand Um but um, yeah, it's 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 nice because R- Richie is. He he could have become annoying in this episode, like he he kind of did a bit in the past too, and he will in the future. But they have enough going on around him that stifles it, that that kind of stops it from from being too much. And it actually just seems like a it it ends up um, it's less of him being kind of a jerk that he can be sometimes and more of like someone with a good cause who gets routed by you know getting locked in arnold's and and um brandishing a butter knife at kirk and and having the drunk guy give him and and his dad a hug and and all this kind of thing so i think i I don't think kirk annoys me and i I don't think this is one of the, the best episodes of the show but i think it's got a lot of um it's got a lot of charms and it's got a lot of good jokes and it keeps moving along nicely and it it does adapt itself to sitcom town pretty quick and i will say when they walk in and i say this again watch them when they walk in the men's room the guys is on the left the dolls is on the right they walk in the men's room and you're instantly they 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 walk in the, the men's room and they go to the right so aren't they going in the ladies room right there i don't know it used to be obviously in the previous season it was they were switched around um but for some reason i i don't know why they had to put the dolls on the right side of the jukebox it just doesn't make sense if you think about it and i'm thinking about it so yeah so i got i got a bunch of other stuff to talk about this episode but i think i think this is a pretty charming uh episode it's got some good laughs in it ralph has some great moments when he leaps and grabs the um the door of the jail cell and kirk swings it open and he still keep hanging on to the jail cell and then and kirk swings it shut and and ralph says something like oh it was nice out there that's a good moment a lot of other nice bits here and there discussion of arnold never cleaning the bathroom or, or putting a uh, thing a pay toilet thing on the stall and the fact that Arnold apparently doesn't make good food, although all the kids are there. I guess it's it's funny. I almost thought of when when Arnold was kind of standing there with his um, like a bun and burger in his hand, talking to Kirk. I thought for some reason I thought of um, Barth, the chef from You Can't Do That on Television. Not that Arnold is is as awful a chef as that, but that's what I sort of thought of that um, um, uh, Arnold is a proto Barth kind of. Uh, 
so let me let me talk about uh, Art Fisher real quick. Um, is this the only one he directed? I actually did not look. I'm sorry, I forgot to look to see. I, I, I'm not familiar with the name. He may have directed an episode or two, but we're at the point now where Jerry Paris is directing most of them. And I will say this: I had sort of not chastised, but said, "Look at the way sort of Jerry Paris kind of ignores, seems to ignore the fact that we're on a set, and you can see the edges of the of the seats and Arnold's, and you can see the wall and everything in um, in in the house." And but this one, when when the guys leave the restroom after the lights have gone off, like uh, the camera is so far away from the seats. Like, like, look at all the space. That's a wall right there. We've seen there's a wall right there. And they have, like, tile there, which, which sort of implies that, like, as I've said before, that, like, the, the, you have these booths, and then there's six feet of nothing and a wall, which would be very inconvenient to, to sit by. Um, and, and so why does everyone pretend like there's a wall there when they sit there? And look in the far right-hand corner on the ground, you'll see there's no tile or anything right there. That that shouldn't be in the shot now granted again as i've said before if you were watching this on a tv in 1975 you you weren't seeing this in as high quality as i am seeing this on the dvd right here and if they were to ever do this on on blu-ray it would have it would get problematic i would think but yeah but yeah there there are moments like in in the room with the camera in, in the living room dining room uh, kitchen of the cunningham's house with the cameras you know, tracking back and forth from the kitchen to tracking Mr. C from the dining room area to the kitchen, where it's just like, we're not even pretending like there are walls here. There's meant to be anything here. It's just, it's a theatrical set. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, so what else about this episode? Um, yeah, Kirk's, Kirk's a pain in the butt. Um, I will say the the scene where Mr. C argues with Kirk as Mr. C is wearing his poobah hat, his his fez, and and Kirk is like, I don't like these funny hats. I'm instigating a curfew on people wearing funny hats. You're you kind of um, people who wear these funny hats. You're what's wrong with America, and and you know, Ike would never wear a hat like that. And I thought, well. These are like these sort of societies and secret societies and th not that the poobah thing is is the Elks Lodge or whatever the heck it is. It's a secret society thing. But I mean, American society is based on all these dumb things. You know, my dad, I think, is a Shriner. Well, my stepdad is like a Shriner or something like that, I think. Or he was. He was. Um, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, one of the things, again, is is for every moment that has sort of... Um, it, it, well, the, the show doesn't need to be based in reality anymore. Just based in, in good comedy. But there is the moment where um, Mr. C... Um, kind of is, is yelling a lot a lot alongside Kirk and Mr. C kind of wanders into that space in between the window where you pick up the food and the the the, the booth in the background and there's like the um not bars but the 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 posts on the on the 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 coming down from the ceiling alongside the um of the booth and he kind of puts his hand on there saying and kind of in in, in intimating that uh you know what are you gonna do put me in jail and and mr c's reaction and the the audience doesn't laugh too hard that's because it's not particularly funny and it's very obvious but you know and it's a bit um that's a bit much mr mr bruner i don't know i would have gone back and done a rewrite on that but it does does cut immediately to him in prison and um Potsy saying nobody knows the trouble I've seen, which is standard um, things that you sing in prison. What else do we have? Let's see. Uh, yeah, the Fonz is great in this one because he's not affected by the curfew. And as everyone else is doing their thing, all he cares about is going to the Elvis train and, and maybe getting some gals. Uh, Joni is fun in this because she just gives the sass and then gets sent to her room. The lip-ups scene is hilarious. And part of it is hilarious. Um, it's, it's basically... Um, uh, 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 Ralph and Potsy are put on either side in the back, at the back end, you know, the the you know of the the pinball machine, and he has them do lip ups. Basically, he they put their lips against the back of the pinball machine, and Potsy is kind of caressing the pinball machine, and it's very funny. And the Fonz tells Richie that you know it doesn't accomplish anything. He's just doing it to make them look like idiots, and they do look like idiots. Although it. Interesting is interesting because I think when we um, dive into some of the of the crack magazines that cover the Fonz, um, I think 
I don't know when we're covering them, probably after this season is over. Um, uh, one of the, the things is there's like um, you got the guide to being the Fonz, or so, I think it's like issue 136 or something like that. It's the guide to being the Fonz. And one of the things the Fonz does to keep in shape is like lip ups, like push ups with his lips or something like that. I forgot, I don't have the issue uh, right here. But but it's funny because that's a joke from the show, and, and that's the Fonz la- laughing at that. And so, you know, Crack didn't always quite get it right, but that'll be fun to talk about when we get to that. But the lip-up scene is very funny. And I think um, uh, I do like the Fonz go- walking into the jail cell saying, hey, this is dank, which is fun. <laughs> hey, you like dank, you got it. Um uh, so I, I I think uh, I think the last thing we'll talk about here, just to wrap this episode up. Like I said, a fun episode, a lot of charm. Kirk is annoying, um, and it seems like the, the basic premise is a bit of a bummer. I think, but they do enough funny stuff, and there's wackiness with coins and slapstick, and and the funs is just great throughout. Especially like like seeing Mister C in prison, and Mrs. C is great because the funs brought her over on his motorcycle, so she doesn't have shoes on. They flew off, and um, they're fun. And um, I think I think that the last thing we'll talk about is the Elvis train. Now Elvis um, was inducted into the army in um, March, April of I think March of '58, and he was sent to I believe Fort Hood in Texas. And then in late September of '58, he took a train ride, like a four-day train ride from Texas to Brooklyn, where he was shipped over to Germany. And so my guess would be. As he was in the South, where was he? Memphis, Nashville, wherever he was, when he was inducted, when when he he was inducted in, or, or he he, the, the 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 thing is that like the Elvis the Elvis train, which is you know he's in the army, the Elvis train is going to be passing by, and to me that is the Elvis train is going to be passing by, taking him to Brooklyn to put him on the 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 um the plane to send him to Germany. This isn't like the train or the car or whatever it was that took him to Fort Hood. At least that's in, in my thought this was because to me that would have been very southern and wouldn't have gone anywhere near Milwaukee. But I think Fort Hood in Texas you go up north a bit and you and you traverse near there. I can see that happening. So I am saying and please feel free to prove me wrong and tell me that this is March, April of fifty eight. But I'm saying this is late September, nineteen fifty I mean that's a very specific time. We know it's nineteen fifty eight. Because in 1959 he was in Germany, you know, and 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 so this is either March, April of 58 or September 58. I'm going with September of 58, um, uh, mainly because of the way. Well, no, I was gonna say the way they're dressed, but eh, you know, it would have been probably the same-ish weather either way. Uh, so. Yeah, I am going with um, September of 58 is when this takes place, and we'll go from there. I mean, I'm forgetting if. We already passed this point now. I'm forgetting. When did I say the Christmas episode from last season? I, I feel like that was December of 57. But but we'll see. There isn't... I don't think there are any holiday episodes in this one. So it's all it all can be vague. I could be wrong, however. So, um, well, well, we're about to talk about Howard's 45th birthday. So maybe we'll get a date on that. Let, let, let's dive into that. So, a Jailhouse Rock uh, episode. I'm calling it September of 58. It's fun. Um, again, it's a weird episode where Richie is ostensibly the, the the main character, but doesn't really do a whole hell of a lot. It's more ensemble than anything else, which is fun, which is what the show will become. So let us let us dive into Howard's forty fifth fiasco. It is obviously it's it's Howard's forty um, fifth birthday and i'm going to play you a little bit of this and we'll come back and discuss the 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 plot uh the story of the episode and then uh talk about it uh listen to this when i was 35 it was a very good year it was a very good year for blue-blooded girls of independent means. We'd ride in limousines. Their chauffeurs would drive. 
when I was 35. One thing I forgot to mention from the previous episode is, uh, you know, I'm mentioning the, the way that when the Fonz isn't the lead in these episodes, he seems to be kind of doing his own thing and in his own space, kind of running alongside whatever's happening in the episode rather than sort of being fully within it and um the scene in the restroom his office in the men's room in arnold's uh is very funny watching him do his hair and then there's a moment where he's walking away from the mirror and talking and then all of a sudden he spins around and like looks at the mirror and goes yeah you know more or less yeah which is pretty amusing but anyway howard's 45th fiasco written by frank buxton uh directed by jerry paris october 28th 1975 which well We'll talk about this in a moment. It's basically, uh, this takes place uh, on Howard's birthday, 45th birthday, and the day after his 45th birthday. And you can see that weird thing with the way, um, the the difference in, like, when, when someone says, well, I'm only 42, like, back in the 50s, and you look at them and go, yeah, 42 by way, about 54. Um, now, I'm not sure. I didn't actually look up to see how old Tom Bosley was with this episode. I, I suppose I could right now. Um, but, um, no, I'm his age in this episode and um apart from you know on my bad days i look um much younger than he does i think but that that could just be me um uh, but but it's like when he says he's 45 when i was a kid i would have gone oh sure of course he is but now that i'm that age i'm thinking is is are you really hmm okay so uh, regardless of that the premise is it's his birthday and he sort of realizes in the morning th- that he hasn't really done anything. He, he's like 20 years ago, he wanted to be in Tahiti painting like Gauguin and um, not Gaigan, um, Gauguin. He's, he's not. And he's he doesn't believe he's accomplished anything. He's feeling a little down. And he goes to Arnold's to pick up some ice cream and gets in a chat with Arnold, who says it's also Confucius's birthday. And he doesn't end up feeling better after the discussion with Arnold and then he winds back up at the house and they throw him a party wherein they um, basically uh, throw a little this is your life uh, Howard Cunningham and each bit of his life that, that comes out from the kitchen depresses him just a little bit more until the next morning they can't find him or the next afternoon they can't find him and he's apparently run away to Tahiti I will say this, he hasn't run away to Tahiti, and the way you know that he hasn't run away to, to, to Tahiti is because um, uh, Mr. C and the Fonz are the only ones, characters who are in every single episode of Happy Days, so there's no way he's running away to Tahiti unless the next episode is the first part of a three-parter all about Tahiti. But how was the episode? I think the episode's pretty fantastic. It's in Basically, it's in three chunks. The opening chunk with... Uh, the morning uh, scene and the scene with Arnold, then the This Is Your Life segment, then the Where Is Howard, and then Finding Howard and, and getting him to come back home segments. It's, it's, it's very nice. It's very funny, which is great. The scene with Arnold is hilarious. Arnold throws off a lot of great gags. And um, what is it like, um, uh, you know, celebrating Confucius' birthday, but you're not Japanese. No, but I speak Chinese and I speak Japanese and I speak Korean and I speak Portuguese. Well, what do you consider yourself? Very good looking. And there's a lot of great lines in there, like um, uh, talking about Confucius' birthday. Um, uh, you're the only other person, uh, Mr. C. Uh, is oh, oh, I think Mr. C. says something like, you know, I bet, um, you know, you're the only person um, here who knows that it's uh, today's Confucius' birthday. And he says, well, you know, the same thing, you know, um, uh, Mr. C. Oh, he doesn't call him Mr. Well, I I don't know what he calls him. You know, there there are a whole lot of people in China who don't know it's your birthday. And you learn that Arnold writes all the little things on the wall. Um, uh, I, I like the concept that, that he writes all the things on the wall himself so you can keep control of like the things that are written on the wall. I, did he also write the thing about Shirley? Because that's going to become important in a few episodes. But that, that scene with Arnold, it's lovely. Uh, Arnold is empty and um, uh, uh, it's closed because of Confucius' birthday. Mrs. C is just there to get ice cream. The This Is Your Life sequence is is pretty hilarious from Mrs. Prism, his third grade teacher who is very unhappy to be there. You'll know the actress when you see her. She's been in everything for decades and she she's unhappy there and she doesn't remember uh, uh, 
Mr. C that well at all, and then she eventually leaves because she's so bored, and um, they can't actually get a hold of any of Mr. C's best friends, so they make Patsy one of his best friends, and then Ralph pretends to be, what is it, Mr. Schmidt, um, the band... Uh, the band leader, the band pra- the band coat, the band guy from the school, um, and Ralph plays Mr. Schmidt, but he does it with an Italian accent because he doesn't do um, a German accent. And then, you know, obviously Joni and 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 uh, I was going to say Chachi for a second. Joni and Mrs. C come out, and then the Fonz comes out and has some great stuff. <laughs> Especially this great moment where um, the Fonz is reading something that Richie has prepared and like. Mr. C, I want you to thank you for giving me a roof over my head and occasionally food for my tummy. My tummy? Who wrote this? It's good stuff. <laughs> and uh, at the end of it, Mr. C is in a band outfit and with his... Uh, it's a tuba, right? And, and he, with the instrument he's playing and he's yeah, and he's just uh, depressed. And, and like I said, he ends up trying to move to Tahiti, which doesn't really work. Um but I applaud him for trying. Uh, it's a really fun episode. Um, it is. It is completely Mr. C uh, led. You could sort of. Um, you you really do get the feeling of. Um, he he just suddenly realizes he thinks he's forty three in the morning, but Mrs. C insists he's forty five, which is correct. Just in the same way that he can. He, he insists that Joni is twelve when she's actually fourteen. Now I didn't. I guess I get. I mean Joni's growing in leaps and bounds. My, my guess was, yeah, 13, 14, something like that. So, um, although when it started, when the show started, um, what, a year and a half ago, how old was she? She was probably like 10, right? 10 or 11. Well, I guess that makes sense that she'd be 14. Okay, yeah, she's growing very, very quickly. And again, uh, when she stands next to the Fonz, she's just a little bit shorter than the Fonz. Yeah, it's it's it, there's some great stuff. That, everyone everyone's got a lot of great gags in it. Uh, Potsy is is fantastic when he wants to be Mr. C's best friend. Ralph is great as the Italian Mr. Schmidt. Joni gets off some great lines about uh, suntan lotion and and um, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of funny gags in this. It's it's really loaded with with great lines and it even has a, a lovely. Um, I think I mean the I mean Mr. C and the Fonz have had some scenes together. But the first of their sort of scenes like this, I believe, is in this episode where the two of them just talk about life and about being grown up and about being men and about being alive and and such. And it's a really uh, lovely uh, scene uh, because, yeah, spoiler, um, Mr. C hides out in the Fonz's apartment. And the scene, well, I I don't want to hop to it here because there are a lot of other things to talk about. Um, Actually, this is a really... Really, quite a lovely episode. I, I really like this um, this episode. The last one I thought was very good. This one is really is really. I mean, it's it's doing what the first two seasons really didn't do that much in giving over a large chunk of the episode to someone who isn't Richie. You know, uh, in the first two seasons, a lot of it, not all of them, but a lot of them were were sort of related to how Richie was dealing with whatever was going on. And um, but this is all Mr. C. I mean, yeah, the the big sequence that that brings Mr. C back and convinces him with some trickery in there is between him and the Fonz. Richie is nowhere in sight. Richie's mentioned in the scene, but Richie's nowhere in sight. Uh, Richie leads the "this is your life" thing, which I think is hilarious. Um, and and it's like that. This is the sort of Richie I like, who who thinks he's being really helpful, but with like each thing that happens, he depresses his dad just a little bit more. And it's, it's very funny. It's very funny. So, um, oh, let, let me let me dive into something here. That um, so so um, this aired October twenty eighth. It's Confucius's birthday. We get very definite. We get a very definite date. It's Confucius's birthday. We also know that in the previous episode a week ago. Uh, that was set during the time when Elvis was traveling, which, forgive me, I, I was in the vicinity of like the 20th to the 23rd of September, 1958, something like that. And which would... Confucius's birthday was September 28th. So that means that the previous episode aired a week ago. And that means that this episode definitively airs on September 28th and September 29th, 19, I forget, 58. And 
I um I don't know. I the I, I I'm thinking it's a like a maybe a Friday and a Saturday, the way Joni and Richie are hanging out in in the dining room sort of area the after the day after the birthday party. That's a guess. I don't know. I'd have to look to see what um what date. Um I, I know it's not Sunday because when Richie says it's your life is on, uh, this is your life is on, um uh Mr. C says that's on Sundays. So I mean I think this looks like it could be a Thursday or Friday. I'll be right back. All right, hang on, kid. This is where it gets complicated. September 28th, I double-checked, is Confucius's birthday. Maybe it's, there's a Confucius's birthday observed, but September 25th, 1958, um, and this is, I'm, you know, I am, and I'm going off of Joni here because of the, um, uh, Joni is the one who is most visibly aging, and so the way she has been aging across the season shows her getting older as the season gets along, vis- visibly older. And so so this is in the same ballpark as the previous episode, and the previous episode was set in and around September 21st or so, 1958. And this would make sense, that it's set on September 28th, 1958, was Mr. C's birthday. Now, Mr. C does, and Confucius's birthday, Mr. C does say, this is your life is on Sunday, I just looked, that's not correct. In the 1958-59 season, This Is Your Life was on Saturday. Uh, the, and it was actually on September 24th with an episode, uh, uh, This Is Your Life, Steve Allen, which means it's September uh, 25th, 26th, 27th, 20th. Wait, 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 wait one minute, wait one minute. This Is Your Life was not on Sundays. It was on Wednesdays. In 1958, the season began on September 24th with a This Is Your Life, Steve Allen. September 28th, as you can probably guess from that, was a Sunday, September 28th, 1958. And I am putting this a week after the previous episode, which was around September 21st, 1958. And again, we're sort of going off of the fact that Joni is is our best sort of barometer here because she's the one who's sort of visibly aging month by month, season by season, whereas the others more or less all kind of look the same. Um... Especially, I guess we can look at Joni's height. Compare her uh, if we went back to the first season. Compare her height to say the Fonz, as it is now. So, so Mister C gets that wrong because it is a Sunday night when this is happening. Now, what does that mean? Hmm. Well, ugh. yeah, it's it's tricky. It's tricky because yeah, I I really sort of thought in my mind that this was like a Friday and the next day was a Saturday, but the calendar says that his birthday. September 28th, 1958, wasn't a Sunday. This Is Your Life wasn't a Wednesday, so he gets the day it's on wrong. And so they're doing this for him on a Sunday, I guess. And the next day is a Monday, which doesn't make sense. They should be in school. It feels like it's a Friday to Saturday. I guess it doesn't matter in the end. Maybe it was Confucius's birthday observed. Um, because the uh, absurd observed, um, because yeah, as Mr. C says, he didn't know when Confucius's birthday was. So <sighs> there's every good chance that, um, Arnold could be lying. He could be taking a Friday or a Saturday off. Um, so he doesn't have to have kids filling up the place. I don't know. All I know is I stick by the fact that this is set on September 28th and September 29th, 1958, a week after the last episode. And that would be Sunday and Monday, which doesn't fully make sense. But I am standing by those dates, even if the days, actual days of the week don't make sense. And they don't, do they need to? I don't know. I don't know. Do, do, I don't know. But the date is so specific. It's Confucius's birthday. That's why I've closed the place. Now, again, he could be lying, but the fact that Confucius's birthday is actually a week after when Elvis would have passed by on the train is just too close for comfort, Mr. Bullock. So, mm, yeah, I don't know. To me, this yeah, this takes place September 28th, September 29th, 1958. And that means that Mr. C was born on what? September 28th, 1913? Wow. Okay. And Joni was... I don't know when Joni... Well, Joni would have been born in, in 1944? Does, does that seem right? Because Mr. C was in... The R, I mean, I, should, I guess she, and Chuck, uh, of course, obviously Chuck isn't mentioned, but Chuck was in college, so Chuck was born in the late 30s. Chuck Chuck would have been born maybe around 1939, 1940. Richie, he's under 18, we know, he's, so Richie's 17, so he was born in 41, so maybe 
we don't know when they got married. Do they say when they got married? So they would have gotten married, say, around like 38 or so, 39. Had Chuck. Then in 41, had Richie. And then Mr. C, C went away to his uh, stint in, in the armed forces, his Cookie Cunningham. And then when he came back, they immediately... Mrs. C immediately got pregnant with Joni and, and they gave birth to Joni in, in 44, I guess. So that make that makes sense. I, I'm, I, I'll stick by that. 41, because let's see, uh, when we last saw Chuck, that was like Christmas of 57, and he was already, he was like, I'm, I mean, I'm calling him like, a, he was like a sophomore in, in, in college. So, so let's place him at um, 19 in 57. So let's say he was born in 48, 49. I'm sorry, uh, 38, 39. Then Richie, let's say he was born in 38. Richie was born in 41. And they were to space them out by two years. But then because of the war, they spaced. There was an extra year in between Richie and, and Joni. How about that? So I'm going to say Chuck, who doesn't exist in this universe anymore, that was born in 39. Richie is 41. And um, uh, Joni is 44. Boom. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and Mr. C is 1913. And I don't know, Mrs. C is, um, let's let's put her in 1918? I don't know. So what else does this episode have? I, I think we're pretty much wrapping up with this. It's great to see Mr. C get a full episode. And it's great to see him get sort of um, a kind of thing that I think like a lot of dads um, at this time periods in sitcoms, and before that too, and after that would get the thing where they get to a certain age and they don't realize um, what they've got because the dreams they had haven't come true and other things have happened, although... Although he does say 20 years ago he wanted to go to Tahiti, so that would have been 58. That must have been right around the time they got married, if he was thinking he wanted to go there. Um, I'm wondering if that, that that fits with my timeline. He says 20 years ago he was thinking that, which would have been um, 38. And then if they gave, if they had Chuck at 39, he would have had to... And he does say, he says he's been working at the hardware store for 25 years. So he's been working at the hardware store... Since 33, 33, when he was 20, and he must have started working there as like a clerk or something, a stock boy or something like that, and then started off there, met Marion, had dreams of going to Tahiti, painting, things like that, but he and Marion fell in love, got married, and then 39, they had their first child, and he rose up through the ranks of the hardware store. I don't know why, when it became... Well, well, rose up the ranks of the hardware store, but then, of course, actually ended up going into the Navy um, uh, when he was in his, well, like 28, 29, did they? I don't know the age of, of when they sent folks to fight in World War II, but yeah, so that, that would, I guess that would make sense that he came back and say like 43, 44, Joni, and then uh, somewhere around there, you know, he would have returned to the hardware store and somewhere around there, hopefully he would have taken it over some half, sometime in the second half of the 40s or something like that. So, because he does say he's been, they've been, he's put 25 years into the hardware store. And the hardware store does give to to go off on a, on a, another tangent. Or, well, no, this one is. I'm, none of these are tangents. I think this is pretty entertaining to see. I mean, when you think about it, because because we're sort of watching it from the point of view like this is a show that was made in late '75. You know, so you're 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 thinking, oh, '45. You know, okay, so he was uh, 1930. Well, no, actually, he was born yeah, in the in the teens. He would have been a, a kid who yeah, right. Like right when his teens were really going and the roaring twenties were were flying along, he would have been a depression teen. Is that a thing? I feel like a depression baby is a term. But depression teen, uh, I'm not sure. But um, I like I like the filling in the gaps because it is it, it it is it is it is a show ostensibly about a um these teens having fun, having good times in the late fifties as sort of teenagers become a generation that, you know, has a say in things and they have spending money and stuff, but devoting the full uh, episode pretty much to the 45 year old guy who, um, who hasn't been a teen since, um, gosh, the, you know, who has, I was going to say who hasn't been a teen, geez, since around, Wow, yeah, who hasn't been a teen since around Duck Soup came? No, no, I was earlier than that, like Monkey Business or, um, you know, uh, since uh, since Charlie Chaplin went to sound, you know, kind of thing, almost, not quite, but, you know, uh, or Buster Keaton, you know, went to sound films. Um, it was a long time ago, and I love the fact that they are devoting the entire episode to him, and I love the fact that it's so funny. 
and the 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 sequence between him and the Fonz is so good um where the Fonz basically points out you know um as the Fonz will as as you, as you know and, and we know that the Fonz is alone it's just him um apart from Spike and I guess whoever Spike's family is who we never really meet but but we know that the Fonz is is sort of alone as it were and you get to hear his he, he him talk about his dad a little bit more he tells the story where his dad when his dad left all his dad left him was a little strong box but he, he didn't, his dad didn't leave him the key, so he had to run it over with his bike over and over again. And when the strong box finally broke open, the only thing inside was the key. And so he brings up his dad, and he says, you know, and he convinces him. And he mm, actually, actually, what he says to Mister C to try to convince him is, you get it done every day. You go out there and you do it for your family, for your wife. You take care of business and you get it done. And um, and this is my, one of my favorite moments in the episode. I wish I could have pulled a sound clip, but the, the sound clips of this episode all came out a little weird. Um, and I don't do a lot of sound clips for this anyways. I prefer to let it ride because you can find the episodes pretty easily. But the um, there's just a great um, bit where Mr. C is kind of bemoaning the fact that, you know, I haven't done anything and what have I done and this, that, and the other. And, you know, I'm, you know, I, I forget exactly what he says. You know, it's not, it's not like, you know, I'm not worth anything or something like that. You know, it's just like, hey, you know, it doesn't, uh, I haven't amounted to anything. And the Fonz looks at him and says, you know, it's like, I haven't amounted to anything, uh, whatever, whatever. Poppycock, poppycock, yeah, and it's great to hear the Fonz just randomly. He got so angry at being made to say tummy earlier on, but he says poppycock in this scene, which I think is very funny. So I think the, it's, it's actually the way he convinces Mister C in the end is when Mister C kind of pulls out all these things like give these to Richie. I'm going to Tahiti. Give these to Richie. You know the savings account, college account, this that, the keys to the hardware store, which leads to a strange continuity error, which I was going to mention earlier. And the and, and, and actually the the way um the Fonz convinces Mr. C not to go is by saying, you know what, Richie knows that you're leaving and he's gonna sell the hardware store and Mr. C is livid and when the, the, the airline calls him on the Fonz's phone, he says, No, I'm not going to Tahiti, I have a hardware store to run and he and then he storms out the door and then he comes back a second later and thanks the Fonz and everything's okay and it's sweet. Um so it's it's funny that the Fonz is um sort of the lesson, as it were. Uh, doesn't work but the sort of over emphatic well richie's going to sell the store that gets him to um calm down you know you do this every day for your family doesn't quite get mr c to stay which is fun because you know he he in the end he, he more or less does stay for that but at that moment that argument doesn't sell him on staying which i like so two more things, and then we will wrap this episode up. One is that there is that weird moment where Mr. C says, these are the keys to the hardware store. I want Richie to have them. He has to open them every day at this time, blah, 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 blah. But th this day began with a scene where Richie comes in the house, sits down, and talks about how he spent all day working at the hardware store. How many pairs? I mean, I imagine there's more more than one set of keys to the hardware store. Um, maybe Mrs. C had a pair. Maybe one of the employees had a pair. But it is kind of weird because when he holds up the keys, he's like, you have to give these to Richie. They're the keys to the hardware store. He asked up. He's already got a pair. I think, unless they just simply forgot. But that, that does seem a little weird just for a moment. And then the other thing is the tags at the at the end is pretty darn funny because you can see how, like, the when, um, do you recognize this voice? Hey! And, and the crowd goes cuckoo caca for the Fonz. But this, the sequence at the end where the airline lady calls back and uh, the Fonz is talking to her. It's a really great scene where he's talking to her and he says, hey, you know, why don't you uh, leave that job of yours and come on over, hang out with me for the night, you know? Um, do something cool for the first time in your life. What? Why do I think I'm so cool? And then he hangs up the phone. And the crowd bursts into hysterics and applause, applause, applause. Then the phone rings. And kind of quietly. Then the crowd begins to die and the phone rings louder. And, and Fonzie pauses picks up the phone and says that's why i think i'm so cool or whatever it is he says and it's it's a great um it's a great moment it's a kind of a nice topper to the episode it doesn't have anything to do well i mean it does have anything to do with the airline gal would be calling back because mr c kind of hung up on her earlier but it's um it's a lovely moment to end the episode on i think it's a great 
I think is a great episode. The season is is generally um, firing on all cylinders. Dud moments here and there. And not every episode is a complete winner. But I think um, we've got a, a pretty solid uh, opening eight. The, the first third of the season is complete. And it's a pretty, pretty solid bunch. And, um, and... And very funny, which is nice because the, the the story propels along nicely, and there are a lot of great gags alongside it. Some of them, which are very obvious, like Mrs. C about to break into tears because Howard's run away from home. Fonzie comes in and says, "Hey, Mrs. C, I'm sorry to bother you, but I didn't have a chance to stop at the store, and I'm hungry. Can I borrow a can of beans?" And she turns around, and she starts crying, and he says, "Hey, I'll go out to eat or something like that. I'll pick something up," uh, which is very obvious but very funny at the same time. And yes, uh, they do do that thing where the camera kind of spins. Uh, it doesn't spin, but you can see the TV and the chair next to the TV and sort of that strange edge of the wall where you're not quite sure what that is. Having said that, thank you again, everyone, for joining me for episode four, season three, episode 24 overall of Rockin' All Week with you, a Happy Days podcast. Um, this has been a good time. Yeah, I think. I, I hope you're enjoying this. I hope you're all safe and well out there. Um, you know, you can get in touch with me. You can email me at uh, Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Slacks, S-L-A-C-K-S. It's uh, Yahoo.com. You can leave a me- uh, message. You can leave a comment on eventually supertrain.blogspot.com or at supertrain1 or wherever. Wherever you feel good. Just leave a message. Be good to yourself. Let me lean over here and tell you what's happening next in episode five. What do we got? What do we got? We are in November. And oh, two Fonzies. We're doing Fonzie the Flatfoot and a date with Fonzie, which is going to be a very important episode and came later in the season than i remembered it appearing hmm. okay well regardless thanks so much again everyone for listening um be good to yourselves be safe and i'll talk to you next time listen to this so right it can't be wrong rocking and rolling all Sunday, Monday, 